Fan fans, what edition of the Global Revolution? As always, we are the coolest guys around because we bring it to you all the wrestling which may be falling under your radar. This week, talking about uh, some Chikara Pro with a special guest. Unfortunately, uh, my good friend Jeff not able to be here this week, but I am joined by someone else who I'll introduce in a moment. Also, uh, going solo, I'll be talking about some CMLL and, of course, some WXW, some uh, incredibly great wrestling to talk about. But uh, as promised, I am joined for the Jakara portion of our show by my own dear brother and uh, guest of this show in the past. He is John. John, say hello. Hello. <laughs> very, um, very, I'm enjoying impressive. this. Uh, I'm enjoying a donut right now. Enjoying a donut rather than paying close attention to your podcasting duties. Yeah, you uh, know, I've made these people mistake. these people will appreciate the uh, donut eating sounds I'm making. <laughs> of course, there's a lot of loud chomping in their ear. Great, exactly. We're off to a spectacular start. Um, <laughs> all right, yes, but we will, as I said. We talking about a little Chikara, first and foremost, here together, because it always sucks a little more when I'm talking to myself, so uh, got a little uh, company here. My brother also uh, stays up to date on all things Chikara with myself, so uh, yeah, let's jump right into it. We got Cybernetico, Seven Man Army. Are you ready, my friend? Dude, let's do it. Let's I got do my, it. I got my goggles on, my floaties inflated. Let's dive right in. <laughs> well said. Uh, all right, so uh, we only got five matches on this card since it's a Cybernetico, and the Cybernetico tends to be a long match, and this is uh, true again. We'll talk <laughs> about that a little later here. First up on the card, we have uh, none other than Ophidian, Master of Snake Style, taking on Tony Deppin of Fist. Uh, an interesting thing about this match, both men have two points, so whoever gets the win is going to end up challenging the uh, interim champion, Dasher Hatfield, at the season finale, which is the next show on the calendar and the last of the 2018 calendar, as you might guess. Um, this match, I thought, was uh, quite enjoyable. I am a big fan of Ophidian. I think uh, he's had a very good year. Always a very impressive guy in the ring. I enjoy him tremendously. Tony Deppin uh, is a bit more mysterious to me. I've seen him, uh, I feel like, quite a few times now, but it's sort of hard for me to get... Uh, a fix on him. Uh, he definitely seems to be good, but I don't know. Maybe it's just because he's in the new fist and it's uh, a little more focused on Icarus and Travis. And maybe I don't know what it is, but uh, definitely enjoy the guy. I thought uh, he had a good performance here. What did you think of this match? I think before we started, yes. I said, uh, hmm, I really wonder who's going to win this match. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, uh, it's not even that I think Tony Deppin is necessarily bad, but I think I said to you, he's the least important member of the Fist. Um, at the moment, that certainly seems to be true, but also remember that Sloan Caprice and the Whisper challenged Dasher this season, so... Non-traditional challengers uh, maybe could be a theme, and Tony Deppin might fit that role. I don't know. That's true, but uh, I don't know. I, uh, I, I foresaw, I mean, from <laughs> from the time when they started building up Ophidian to get his three points, I kind of foresaw a Dasher versus Ophidian match. Um, even though I think I think it has happened before, right? They fought before? Uh, yes, not for uh, some time, though, I believe. I'm sure I have it in my notes somewhere. I want to say, like, 2016, 2015. Uh, let me see if I can pull it up. 
Yeah, not yeah, since 2015, it, so it's been a good three years since we saw them go one-on-one in Chikara. Yeah, that's that's a good long time, I feel like. Especially Ophidian. I don't think I was really that crazy about him like when we first started watching, but mm-hmm. since uh, his whole story about how Amasis left the company and he had to kind of strike out on his own, I thought he's been quite good. Yeah, yeah, I've liked uh, Ophidian for uh, quite a long time. Uh, we do, of course, miss Amasis, but uh, I think he's had a very good singles run. Uh, He does get the win here, as you alluded to, so we might as well put that out there. Ophidian (laughs) getting that third point, uh, moving on to take on Dasher Hatfield. And uh, I don't know, I'm definitely excited for the match, but uh, it's a little interesting. It's uh, two Technicos, which is maybe a little unusual. Um, There's also the question of, uh, will Dasher Hatfield possibly lose that title with... uh, Mr. Touchdown's return, hopefully coming soon. I haven't heard anything specific to that effect, but uh, been out for a good three, four months, which uh, I don't know, like seems like he'll be back early next year. At least uh, that's my vague non-professional estimate. So I don't know. Definitely possible that Dasher will drop that title before he comes back. And that uh, could lead to some very sticky situations. Yeah. I kind of, I feel like the fact that we're not, receiving any updates on him, maybe some indication that he may come back unexpectedly. Mm, indeed. I'm going to save it up for a surprise of some sort. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's definitely possible. Um, let's see if I uh, can find anything about that. Um, we saw that. We saw it happen. <laughs> we did. We did indeed see it happen. We were live there when he... Uh, Cracked his uh, fibia or whatever the injury was, something like that. Um, it did not look good. We wondered if it was real, but uh... <laughs> I, I sort of had a sense that it was, although it's very hard to say. Um, let's see. In September, he said uh, five to six months. So I don't know. Could be, could um, be getting there. So yeah, we're still. Maybe he'll pull a John Cena and come back early. Also very true. Also very, very true. So, yeah, let's uh, let's keep an eye out for that. But, yep, Ophidian getting the win. Definitely interested to see how that title match goes. I think it could be uh, quite a great one uh, at the season finale. And who knows, they may pull out some uh, unexpected crazy thing. So, never know. Hopefully. <laughs> we can hope. Yep, always nice mm-hmm. in the finale as some extra thing going on. Mm-hmm. Um, we follow this matchup, the tag team match. It is Hermit Cat, Crab and Cajun Crawdad of the Creatures of the Deep taking on Lucas Calhoun and a guy making his debut, at least in body, in the Chikara ring, uh, Axel Ford. And if you haven't been following along, Axel Ford um, apparently is the true author of the journal that we thought belonged to Missile Assault Man. And uh, the reason that everyone thought so is uh, Axel Ford was apparently a soldier in the, um, um, oh, what was it called? The Tidor Conglomerate, the, the, oh, the yeah. giant company that took over Chikara some years back and caused the infamous shutdown. Um, he was part of that. And, uh, as oh, he wait, got wasn't more... it, uh, sorry, sorry, sorry. wasn't it called like Condor Security or Condor something? Condor Security or I think it... was uh, attached to the Tidor Conglomerate, yes. So oh, that okay. was another uh, factor in it. Um, as always, these uh, in-depth Chikara storylines can get a little um, 
I don't know yes, what the yes. right word is, but yes, a they can get a little complex. complex. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> um, but yes, apparently, um, Axel Ford, uh, it was his mind and skills that were sort of implanted into Missile Assault Man by Professor Nicodemus, which uh, maybe explains why Missile Assault Man is so messed up all the time in his head and so full of PTSD and other uh, difficult things to deal with so that's that's the origin of axel ford um lucas calhoun really really having a hard time getting partners to stick with him in this rivalry you know he's been with jeremy leary but now he's sort of flaked off to somewhere else he's been with uh, the short-lived bmd the other vulgar quotient uh, clone who disappeared after a couple of matches saying he couldn't be part of the war anymore. Now he's got Axel Ford. So uh, we'll see if this one fares better in the long run. <laughs> should have, should have just gone back to Condren and uh, Missile Assault Man. Oh, well, theme. Missile Assault Man is now on board. So that's uh, <laughs> one at least. Uh, we do miss Kevin Condren. Uh, he's out doing his own thing, living his best life though. So more power to him. Um, yeah, the match itself um, I don't know if I have a tremendous amount to say about it. Uh, I feel like it wasn't exactly short, but uh, if anything, I, it seemed like just kind of an introduction for Axel Ford, uh, him teaming with Lucas Calhoun. I thought he did uh, perfectly fine, seemed very solid. Um, uh, do you have any specific impression of it? I'll be honest, I don't even remember who won the match. <laughs> <laughs> well, simple deduction. Should tell you that uh, it was, of course, uh, Lucas Calhoun and Axel Ford picking up the victory here. And the talking point coming out of that is after their loss, Hermit Crab and Cajun Crawdad received a message from Oceania that uh, essentially they had better stop failing or there will be consequences. And what those could be, we don't know. But uh, winning is not something the Crab and Crawdad do tremendously often, so they may uh, be in trouble moving forward. It's true. Uh, it's kind of, you know I don't want to. They're kind of like the bad, the Rudo version of the ice creams. <laughs> <laughs> and they're not. And the sad thing is they're not even like as memorable as that. Ouch! Ouch! So I know that I know that's a terrible thing to say because when we went and saw them for King of Trios, they were both very funny. But I don't. There's just nothing like really that much to remember about them. They're just kind of so. They're just so bog standard. Uh, John, what about their hilarious comments? <laughs> yeah. Well, yes. The, the, when you when you get those comments, then yes, uh, I definitely laugh at those. But I don't know. Just their wrestling ability see, maybe is wanting. <laughs> Um, I not not as um, interested in them in the ring as I am in their personalities. They do seem like a lot of fun in that respect. But yes, their matches don't tend to um, amaze me. So I uh, I kind of know what you're getting at there. I hope I do I do hope they don't uh, die or the Chikara equivalent of die <laughs> from now from all their losing because that would make me sad. Uh, indeed, indeed, for sure. Um, all right, yeah, moving on from this, we come to what turned out to be uh, my favorite match on the card. I'm not uh, not uh, shy to say. It is Travis Huckabee taking on Razorhawk, I think two of the most promising people to come out of the Wrestle Factory in quite some time. Um, a really, really strong story in this match. You've got all the built-in stuff of Razorhawk. 
you know, having been uh, close friends with Huckabee, having been kind of trading partners with him, they sort of had a similar drive, a similar good attitude. Now Travis um, going to this uh, darker place where he's more of a bully, more of a jerk, more of a guy, as he says, who's willing to do things that others won't to win, sort of been driven by uh, by his um, frustration into this uh, darker persona. Uh, and it really comes out here, and you've got to say, it really paid off as well. He really targeted Razorhawk's legs very uh, precisely. I thought uh, did a really good job of viciously destroying it. Uh, definitely accomplished his goal in that respect, even applying a stretch muffler and then, like, running it into the turnbuckle, uh, almost as an homage to Icarus in the Blu-ray, so that... That was really quite something. Uh, Razorhawk really not wanting to say die here, but Travis sort of beating it out of him. This was uh, this was this was quite a brutal match, but I, I enjoyed the story and I enjoyed um, you know kind of how compelling it was. Yeah, it's uh, I'm sure I know not to be redundant or anything, but I'm sure you've talked about in previous shows how uh, Travis has really. It has really improved, has really kind of come into his own in this past year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think that's definitely true in a lot of ways. Uh, both guys impressing tremendously over the course of 2018, and uh, it paid off a lot here. I thought they had a really fantastic match together. Indeed. I like both of those guys. Um, I like both of their characters. I mean, Razorhawk's just kind of like, oh, sweet, 2,000 references. <laughs> but he's a very he's a very competent wrestler. I always like seeing him go. He's a super fun guy to talk to, too, when you, if you go to the shows. He's always very interactive with the fans, which is a, which is a plus in my book. Um, and Travis, I really have liked the change in his character. I kind of thought he was just a boring good guy before but i liked his slow deliberate turn to the dark side and even though he kind of has been shackled together with icarus to what i hope will turn out to be something bigger um i still think he's quite good i'm i'm (laughs) probably leading into what you're gonna say next very excited for the travis huckabee versus solo darling showdown yeah yeah um Really looking forward to that showdown. Probably most anticipated match on the finale. Uh, I really can't wait to see that feud pay off. I'd say it's been one of the best feuds of the year, not just in Chikara, but anywhere, in my opinion. Some masterful character arc stuff that's really uh, paying off very well. Uh, This match is indeed won by Travis Huckabee, who uh, hits a vicious pile driver and then uh, kicks... Razorhawk out of the ring like a pile of garbage and uh, just the ultimate disrespect on top of everything. Well, you know, he's the garbage man. Got to clean up the ring of all dead bodies. (laughs) Travis the dumpster Huckabee, yes, to be sure. (laughs) Um, All right, uh, move on to our fourth match on the card, which is a trios match and a rematch from night one, King of Trios. It is uh, the Colony, Fire Ant, Green Ant, and Thief Ant taking on the Proteus wheel team of Calyx, the Cascader, Volgar, and Frantic. And uh, this one, I quite enjoyed. I'm not sure if I liked it more than their King of Trios match, but I thought it was uh, very well executed by everyone. Certainly, the highlight has to be Volgar somehow getting all three ants piled up on top of him 
and then like giving them a big spin, all three of them at once. It's really an incredible sight to see. I, I would not have guessed that was something that he could even do. So that, that was quite impressive. That was pretty awesome. <laughs> Got to agree with you there. Uh, Professor Nicodemus also gets physically involved with this one, shoving uh, one of the ants off the top rope at one point. Uh, Bryce Wormsberg throws him out of the Russell factory, and uh, thanks to this distraction, it backfires on the previous wheel, and they're actually defeated uh, with an anthill combination, putting them down finally, so the colony is able to retrieve uh, the, the third of their King of Trio medals that was stolen and uh, get some revenge on a team which has been plaguing them, uh, really in this whole back half of the year. So nice uh, solidarity win for the colony. Uh, Proteusio once again coming up with a defeat, and uh, I don't know exactly how I feel about that, but uh, they do take the loss here. Um, I like both teams, and I liked this match. But I gotta ask, how many more of these are they gonna do? This <laughs> felt like the uh, blow off, if you mean specifically Proteus Wheel Colony matches. Yeah. Have there really been so many though? And it, I don't know. It feels like there's been quite a few. I mean, the whole thing started at King of Trios night one, like you said. Yes. Um, and it's really been going since then, hasn't it? I mean, I guess maybe that only encapsulates, like, three, four shows. Yeah, I was but... going to say, that only seems like a handful of shows, but uh, but I take your point. Sometimes a feud is about how long it feels, so they've had enough uh, combinations at this point. I think this probably wrapped up the feud, uh, all in one here, as a nice bridge to them coming back around to take on uh, Lucas Calhoun, which uh, has been booked for the finale. Uh, it is the Proteus Wheel, including... Professor Nicodemus will be an official participant in the match, uh, taking on Lucas Calhoun, Axel Ford, and Missile Assault Man in a street fight. So that one, that one should be quite wild. I don't know if everyone is going to uh, walk away from that match in one piece. Uh, I don't know. We might see the end of somebody there. I don't know mm-hmm. who could be Professor Nicodemus. I don't know. It's a dangerous situation for everybody. I think he's going to beef himself up snow troll style. Yeah, maybe, perhaps. That would be Did, uh, inflate the snow troll once, that is true. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of had a thought what? today. I feel like Proteus Wheel is kind of like a more monstrous version of uh, Devastation Corporation. I mean, insofar as there are three beefy lads who are a trio, then... Well, well, they, well that. They also have somebody they also have kind of a devious manager type um and also there's on each team there was two of them that were kind of important and then one who really wasn't all that important (laughs) ouch ouch (laughs) frantic and flex rumble crunch uh, it feels like whenever there's a tag match they always go for a calyx and vulgar while Frantic is usually the odd man out. And that was kind of the way uh, Devastation Corporation was. Blaster and Max usually were the uh, that tag team focus, while uh, Flex was just sometimes there as well. <laughs> oh my. Well, well, well. Um, just, just, just something I thought of. <laughs> yeah, I, there's some connection there. I don't want to um, say that it's uh, overt, because there are a lot of differences as well, but there's certainly some connection I don't want to lump every uh, beefy three-man team with a manager 
and one possible weak link into the same uh, bucket, <laughs> but I, I get your I get your meaning. I think. Hey, I like both teams though. I miss Devastation Corporation. They were good. Uh, oh man, I love Devastation Corporation. Yeah, uh, Blesser and uh, Max were were definitely my jam. Two amazing mm. guys. Uh, love you both. You guys are great. Um, <laughs> Yes, these guys, the party wheel's been pretty good so far. I mean, I think, like you said, they're very, like you said once, they're very new still. But, yeah, um, yeah, so uh, we'll maybe see where they're at in a year or two, if they're still around, and uh, see what they can do then. But I, I think they do quite well. Like I said, I, I like this uh, trio's match quite a bit. I thought there was some very good stuff. And they were fun to talk to live as well. <laughs> they were. They were uh, very delightful. All three, uh, Calix in particular, he, he's the man. So yeah, we got a picture with them. You should throw yeah, you should throw that up in like the description for this. Throw it up. Okay. <laughs> yeah, just vomit it out. Yep, yep. There you go. <laughs> Fair enough. All right, uh, we move to our main event of the evening, the Cybernetico match itself. Uh, seven men on each team instead of eight, but still a uh, full-on Cybernetico. Beyond Wrestling taking on Chikara. We have the team of uh, Captain Dasher Hatfield, his son Boomer Hatfield, Proletariat Bor Moldova, Icarus Hollowicked, Juan Francisco de Coronado, and the returning for probably one night only, Ultramantis Black on the Chicago side. Yep, indeed. On the other side, you have uh, Team Captain um, Chris Dickinson, teaming with uh, Cam Zagami, Brian Malonis, John Silver, Nick Gage, uh, Alex Reynolds and Ryan Gallione, and uh, if I mispronounced that last one, I do apologize, but uh, wouldn't be the first time I mispronounced <laughs> something on this show. Um, I gotta say, I'm a sucker for a Cibernetico. I tend to like them a great deal. I don't know if this is necessarily one of my all-time favorites. I do think the one they did uh, a couple of years ago in Chicago was better, but um, that's a high bar to clear as well. And, um, yeah, I, I quite enjoyed this match overall. Uh, what did you think of it in general? Um, who assembled the Chikara team? <laughs> that was, right, the that worst. was Dasher that was like Hatfield, the, the captain. Yeah, the Dasher. That was some of, like, the worst choices you could make. <laughs> Putting Ultra Mantis and a Hollow Wicked on the same team, like, what, what were you thinking? Yeah, certainly did not seem to have team unity. First on his mind, um, picked a lot of uh, very um, impressive people and put them all together, but a lot of people who had problems with each other who weren't necessarily yeah, going to um, make a big deal out of uh, being on the same team. We're going to have a lot of chemistry together, so uh, your point is well taken. There was, a, now that I think about it, there was four distinct rivalries on that team. <laughs> At least. Yeah, there was Dasher and Juan. Yep. Uh, there was Hollowicked and Ultramantis. Yep. There was, um, uh, shoot, who am I thinking of? Uh, uh, the, man, I'm really flubbing this up. <laughs> Is Juan and Boar on there? Oh, yeah, there was Juan and Boar on there. And then there was Icarus and everybody. <laughs> Icarus and common decency. Yes. <laughs> yes, that was the joke I was going for. It would have been funnier if I hadn't flubbed up. <laughs> that was a good effort. Oh, my. Um, but also, I mean, Dasher, I know you love your son, 
but to quote my brother here, Dasher's signature move is kicking out of a pin. Hey, better than your signature move uh, being pinned. <laughs> Still, he gets thrown around the ring like a rag doll. Although I guess to be fair, he did uh he did get one elimination. Yep, he got the first elimination of this match. He eliminated the uh, ever obnoxious Cam Sagami by surprise after being beaten up by I think every member of the Beyond team. So, uh, yeah, he he pulled his weight. He did more than some people did. So you've got to uh, <laughs> give him a little credit there. Oh, and that's uh, that's not even taking into account the first, like, 15 minutes where the action just spilled out into uncontrollable chaos outside the ring. <laughs> it did at times. It did indeed. Um, there's no doubt. Uh, Cyberneticos do have a tendency to break down from uh, time to time, and this one was no exception. You know, uh, you know, I'm a stickler for the rules. So <laughs> bizarrely, it, so yes, sometimes you are. <laughs> yes, it makes me annoyed when they uh, when they ruin their batting order. <laughs> I I want to say they stuck to it reasonably well, but I'd have to go back and look. Um, but uh, one thing we haven't really talked about is uh, the fact uh, that I mentioned in passing, Nick Gage, um, convicted felon, and uh, like super murderer uh, was here in Chikara, which is a combination that I think most people never thought that they would see. And I'll say he, uh, he behaved himself uh, very well, all things considered. It's true. Didn't even pull a Phoenix. Didn't even, uh, yep. Didn't even bust out an F word. Uh, that took his whole being with it. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, or that guy who came, uh, I always forget his name. The guy who came and announced the team last week, who slipped the GD in there. Uh, Joey Janela. Yep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I believe that was a little more intentional, probably. Um, but, uh, <laughs> Um, but yeah, uh, showing up and, uh, I think in some ways really being the star of the match. I don't know if any one person stood out more than Nick Gage. I thought he did, uh, quite a bit of, uh, excellent stuff. He busted out, uh, even some choke breakers, which is dangerous because that can kill you in Chikara, but, uh, but nobody died. At least I don't think they did. So maybe Ultramantis. No, don't say it. <laughs> well, he'll die for like uh he'll die for like a year and then maybe come back. <laughs> that devious man. Um he'll be all yeah. right. I was kind of sad we didn't really we didn't really get enough Ultramantis. I know it was well, there was a lot going on, a lot of time to devote to a lot of people. But I don't know, his grand return kind of didn't really seem all that grand to me. Oh, well, he was a uh, last-minute replacement for the injured Danger Hawk, so there's uh, possibly a reason for that. Uh, it was great to see him. He did some of his signature stuff, but I agree, not really a focus of this uh, match. I think um was in the final six, maybe, or final eight, something like that. I don't know, but yeah, I didn't go farther than that. Got taken out by Nick Gage. Um, speaking of Nick Gage, we can't... Uh, can't forget, I, I believe it was Nick Gage who cut the tail off of the boar in a uh, a very uh, gory moment. Yep, like we said, you know, now he's not going to be cut. Now he's not going to be able to turn into a giant monkey anymore. <laughs> yes, for you Dragon Ball fans out there, that one goes out to you. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, some some good stuff in this for sure. Uh, I thought it was great. 
to see Brian Malonis again. I thought uh, his interactions with Juan Francisco were particularly fun and excellent, and I wouldn't mind seeing a singles match between them at some point. I think it could be very fun. Mm-hmm. He won us over at uh, King of Trios. He absolutely did. One of the coolest yes, we were, uh, new people I saw there. We were happy to see him back in Chikara again. Absolutely so. Uh, anywhere he wants to come, he's welcome in my book. Uh, very very yeah. good talent is Brian Malonis. Yeah, it was Cam, Brian, and who was the third guy in the King of Trios team? I can't remember. Uh, Dickinson. Ah, yes, of course, the captain. The capitan, indeed. Um, Malonis was taken out uh, about midway through this uh, by Icarus and Hollow Wicked doing their uh, finisher from season one where they debuted together in the night shift. And that was a nice throwback, I thought. But you didn't even know about that. <laughs> I definitely did. <laughs> uh, we said Ryan uh, Gallione in this match I thought was a fairly impressive big man. Uh, he did a couple of cool things, including that one-handed military press of uh, Boomer Hatfield, which uh, admittedly is probably the easiest man in wrestling to military press, but still. <laughs> just speaking of <laughs> physics, my friend. Yep. When you, uh, you know, it's kind of the equivalent of lifting like a stack of paper. <laughs> <laughs> you said it, not me. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. We come down to, who is it? Dasher and Hollow Wicked taking on Nick Gage, John Silver, and Chris Dickinson in the final stretch. Uh, Dasher is almost pinned by Nick Gage, but Hollow Wicked saves him at the last minute. Hollow Wicked uh, using his evil techniques to uh, hit a low blow and never wake up on Nick Gage and actually gets the pin on him, which I think is a nice consistency piece. Never wake up. Still has never been kicked out of, which I, uh, I do appreciate. One day, though. It's got to happen one day. Well, uh, if, if, if it does happen, I'm sure it'll be built up spectacularly, and I'm looking forward to seeing well, how they do it. Um, John Silver, uh, who also was very impressive in this match, it was really spectacular, I think, to see him in a Chikara ring in this way. Um, he takes out Hollow Wicked, and, uh, and Bryce Remsburg looked so sad when that happened. Like, he looked very put out. I don't know if maybe he regretted... Uh, letting Dasher put together the Chikara team or not. But uh, if he did, we couldn't exactly blame him. Um, definitely uh, not a team that played well together, as you said. Hollowicken in particular, saying from the start that he didn't want to be on the team. Uh, he fought well anyway, but who knows what difference could have been made by a team member who actually wanted to play. Mm-hmm. She would put the, they just should have put Missile Assault Man back on. He would have carried the whole team. Oh, he was so spectacular in 2016 in that Cibernetico. Mm-hmm. Definitely one of the best. My God. <laughs> um, yep, yeah, in the final three, of Dasher fighting back, uh, hitting a top rope power slam to take out John Silver. Uh, but uh, Chris Dickinson being a little too much for Dasher Hatfield, doing that crazy corner Pazuzu bomb that he does. And getting the victory uh, to put an end to a very good Cibernetico, um, it uh, it dragged a little in the early portion, I thought, uh, but uh, it, it really went well, especially towards the end. I, I thought there was a lot of very fun stuff in this match, and I was glad to see it. So uh, let me let me ask you this, Chris. Yes. How many people 
on the Beyond Wrestling side did you know about before we started the match? Uh, I believe I knew about all of them except Ryan Gallione, or however you say his name. Okay. See, because I'm a total pleb, and <laughs> and I get all of my uh, wrestling know-how from you. Indeed. Um, we have never, I don't think we've ever watched a Beyond Wrestling pro event. Uh, not together. Um, I have seen my share, but uh, yes, I have not passed them on to you. No, so I knew about the I knew about the three from King of Trios. Of course. The rest of them, I had, like, no clue <laughs> who they were. And maybe that's why it kind of got... It was hard for me to kind of get into this match. Because on the one... It seems just to me so, like, why would I cheer for this bunch of guys that I don't know? Or why would I even boo them? I don't even know them. Are you saying they came so far? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like the poor Australian team, we had no problem booing them when they came for no reason. Yeah, well, you know, it was it was the heat of the moments, you know, shown in their eyes. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So, um, and I guess I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, you said before that you've kind of noticed a pattern of Chikara and Beyond Wrestling trading victories when it comes to their uh, cross promotional matches. Uh, um, somewhat, but I also didn't really know who was going to win this one, so I don't think it's, like, entirely predictable. True, but, I don't know, what are your thoughts on a non-Chikara main roster person winning Cybernetico? Oh, I'm fine with it. Uh, this is not like King of Trios, where we had three outside winners in a row or anything. I think, uh... Occasionally, the outsiders should be winning the big matches, because otherwise, why even bring them? You know, it would be too obvious that they'll lose. So there was some nice uh, um, ambiguity, I thought, in who was actually going to get the victory here, and they, they played off it well, I think. I think you know the reason why they bring in the outside teams. Why? So it's that so that we can see PCO and Molly Holly live. <laughs> that, that indeed was a, uh, a very... Welcome, uh, site. So I, I take your point on that. <laughs> yeah, uh, I didn't. Th- yeah, I didn't think this. I didn't think the Cybernetico was bad. Definitely not as good as the one you've referenced, the 2016 one. Just, indeed, but that, like there, you said, there have been better ones, but the, that's a high bar to clear. I think Cyberneticos yeah. tend to be quite good. Exactly. Exactly. And I, I mean, I guess this was sort of. This had been, you know sort of built up, you know, even from Cam Zagami winning the Young Lions Cup and that whole story going on. Sure, like, sure. A showdown between Chikara and Beyond Wrestling, I guess, had been something they had been building to for a little while. Yeah, but I mean, when uh, you... Clan Wars, they had a whole show devoted to Chikara versus Beyond Wrestling, so lots has happened between them. <laughs> yeah, so, but I don't know, even still, you think back to how long did they spend building up that Nas Muldoon versus uh, well, the Red sure. Star story? <laughs> probably, like, probably at least a couple years, right? Um, yeah, I mean, all told, I, I would say so. But uh, you can't always build up your matches over many years. <laughs> you don't <laughs> always have the time for that. It's true, it's true. <laughs> Um, all right, so yeah, that pretty much covers everything from Cybernetico. Uh, we can quickly go over the season finale card. Uh, happens on December 8th. can be viewed on uh, Chikaratopia and Chikarapro.com. It can be viewed on Powerbomb uh, TV. Um, 
that's December 8th at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, do check it out. Matches in that include, um, as we mentioned, Dasher Hatfield versus Ophidian for the Grand Ooh. Championship. Includes Travis Huckabee versus Solo Darling, which uh, should be really excellent. Uh, it includes Lucas Calhoun, Axel Ford, and Missile Assault Man in a street fight against the Proteus Wheel, and some other matches Ooh. that we haven't mentioned yet. Uh, one just announced today is a four-way tag team elimination match. It is uh, Icarus and Tony Deppin against Crumbles and Defarge, against Jeremy Leary and Blanche Babish, against Los Ice Creams, so that should be an interesting mm. four-way. It's a, uh, it's a bit of a low-carter, ain't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's got the new fist in it, and uh, Crumbles and Defarge, former champions, Mm-hmm. Los Ice you Creams former that, champions. So. Yeah, yeah. Do you think Los Ice Creams are going to pin all three and become tag champs again? <laughs> kind of doubt it. I am curious who will uh, pick up points here. So, I don't know. Could be could be an interesting one. Yeah, uh, I'm, have, I'm into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Uh, we have Juan Francisco de Coronado going one-on-one with Green Ant, which should be uh, quite good, I think. I'm very much looking forward to that. Green Ant is a good newcomer, ain't he? Yeah, yeah, he's quite good. He's one of the uh, one of the uh, better latest guys, I think, to come out of that class. So I'm uh, I'm very much looking forward to seeing what he can do in a big uh, match scenario against one of the best wrestlers out there, in my opinion, in Juan Francisco. Yeah. Um, we have the always uh, lovable Blank taking on Penelope Ford in a singles match, which should be quite a lot of fun. We love Blank, don't we? We do love Blank. Much more than his previous incarnations. Mm-hmm. He drew us a picture. Uh, he did. He drew us a beautiful picture. I'm very happy about <laughs> it. Uh, we have Hollow Wicked taking on Boomer Hatfield in a match which may see Boomer die. So, uh, we'll see. <laughs> Just be thankful he's not going against Frightmare. Then he probably would actually die. <laughs> yeah, no Frightmare book for this card. I haven't seen Frightmare as much lately. Doing yeah. time for as many murders, perhaps. Yeah, not since not since King of Trios, right? Uh, or no, I can't recall him uh, appearing after the tag gauntlet. So yeah, you may be just right there. Dang. Yeah. yeah hopefully, you can see more Frightmare in the future. I'm looking forward, okay. hopefully, to seeing more of him. Uh, we have uh, Tomiko's match with the Creatures of the Deep in full force, taking on uh, Fire Ant, Thief Ant. Razorhawk and Dangerhawk. Some interesting stuff going into here with uh, both Hawks being kind of banged up, maybe a little discouraged after the year they've had. And you've got uh, at least Crab and Crawdad possibly on the chopping block if they lose on their side. So uh, don't know what's going to happen there, but definitely could be some big developments. Uh, <laughs> well, we know what Murloc is good at. Murder? Yep, bullying people to the street. So maybe he's just going to kick them right out of the building. <laughs> That's true. He did once uh, throw Razorhawk all the way out of the Wrestle Factory. It could happen again. Could absolutely happen again. I'd pay uh, money to do that. Indeed. <laughs> it's one of my favorite matches of that year uh, in a goofy way. So, uh, <laughs> Nothing could showcase Mur- Murloc's murderous qualities better. It certainly uh, helped me to really love both Murloc and Razorhawk a tremendous amount. So, uh, And uh, last but definitely not least, we have the Chikara tag titles, the Campinas de Pereas on the line. Um, Rick Rowland and Sloan Caprice defending against the uh, 
the unusual team of the Whisper and Princess Kimberly, and we still don't know <laughs> what the story is between Whisper and Kimberly. So I don't know. It definitely feels like we'll have some sort of uh, advancement in that match. Could they actually win the titles? I really don't know. They didn't seem to like each other very much at uh, the Lethal Lottery, but they did win the tournament. So uh, who knows what might happen. We need we need new team dysfunction. I just realized <laughs> if they win, they'd be ch- dysfunctional champions. We need that, Chris. We need that. It's more of a Lucha Underground thing, but it could definitely work in Chikara as well. I don't know if they ever had a dysfunctional tag team champion, um, or at least... N- not partners who are dysfunctional with each other. I think we can all agree Los Ice Dreams are dysfunctional in general <laughs> in life. Um, okay, not when it comes to uh, ordering pizzas, though. No, no. Delivering empty boxes to ringside, they're quite on the ball. Who <laughs> <laughs> could be better? Dude, I'm excited for that one. That and uh, that and Travis and Solo, those are probably my two most anticipated matches. Yep, yep. Definitely looking forward to both. I'm right there with you, my friend. All right, I think that covers all of the Chikara that is to be talked about. So uh, thank you very much for coming on the show. I'm sure I'll have you on again sometime. (laughs) Hey, if you hated me the first time, well, congratulations. You just got a lot more of me. (laughs) (laughs) Well said. Send your hate mail to me on Twitter. I'm at SpectralGent, and I'll pass it on to this this thing that is assaulting your ears on the other side of the podcast. (laughs) All right, this thing is, uh, I guess we'll be seeing you later. (laughs) All right, indeed. All right, bye. All right, thanks again to my good brother John for being on the show. Want to go over uh, the other two sets quickly. I know it's not quite as much fun when I'm by myself, but I do want to shout out some great wrestling I've watched. Uh, Another couple sets on here, as I mentioned. I'm going to talk about some CMLL first. Uh, which good 10-match set, a lot of really good quality stuff from uh, across the year, just kind of rounding up some of the top CMLL matches that we haven't talked about yet. First, going back to uh, March 30th, we have uh, Volador taking on Matt Taven for that NWA Historic Welterweight Championship. Uh, as always, titles in Mexico not really meaning quite the same thing as they do uh, in the United States, but it usually does denote at least a big match, uh, and this uh, definitely was that. Some fun stuff in here. You've got uh, Matt Taven running around with a Trump flag, which for the past few years has been the real easy way to get heat in Mexico, uh, and it does so here. Can't deny that. Um, and Volador doing a great super kick for that first fall, looking like he's kicking teeth out, basically. Just a really, really great super kick from Volador, who uh, I'm a big fan of in general, so got to shout him out here. Volador, really one of my favorites. Luchador's going right now. Uh, Matt Taven comes back quick to uh, get the equalizer, as expected. Um, get a lot of heat-seeking from Matt Taven here. Uh, he's a perfectly fine wrestler. Um, he always seems to do particularly well in Mexico, so I give him credit for that. Uh, I do sometimes kind of wonder what like, what does he have that uh, kind of other wrestlers in his class don't have, and eh, nothing really comes to mind. He's just not a standout guy to me. Um, but he, he does some good things. You know, he's a perfectly good hand, I think. Um, get some uh, Tarante stuff in here, which is always a little bit annoying. Doesn't uh, completely work for me, the whole Rudo ref thing, kind of messing up the match, just being against the Technicos, the baby faces, kind of just arbitrarily. Um 
Metaven uh, knocks Fulador off the top and crutches him on the ropes. Knocks him down into the ring, finishes him off, does get the win and the championship. So there's a title win for Matt Taven down in Mexico. If that's your thing, more power to you. Uh, follow this up. Go to uh, April 29th for one of the more interesting matches, I think, that we've covered in quite a while on uh, the Global Revolution. This uh, an elimination match, uh, kind of a cybernetico match with the minis of CMLL, uh, which is the division of little people. Here we have uh, Guapito, Atomo, uh, Zacharias, El Perico, who's apparently the little bird guy who runs around with uh, Cavernario and Negro Casas and all of them. Uh, Angel, Mije, Gaito, Chamuel, and uh, last but definitely not least, Microman, who uh, is the only guy I really knew well coming into this. Um, I didn't even know him well because I've never seen him, but he's a guy I'd kind of heard about a lot. And, wow, um, he is super fun to watch, if you didn't know. Uh, he is especially tiny. P- probably the smallest wrestler I have ever seen. Uh, he is dwarfed even by the other uh, minis in there. But, um, man, I, I don't know. He is just incredibly fun to watch in a way that's sort of hard to uh, articulate. But uh, you really just have to see this guy, Microman. He is really just uh, super fun to watch. Um, yeah, got a lot of good stuff going in here. Uh, I won't run through it all. Basically, it comes down to uh, Chamwell, who's a uh, kind of a clown type character, um, and Microman. And Microman uh, just is super fun and uh, hits a moonsault to get the victory, climbing up those ropes. Uh, in a really incredible way. So uh, much love to Microman getting a win here. Definitely a guy that I will be looking out for uh, more and more as we go forward with more Lucha Libre. Uh, Following this up, we go to uh, May 11th, a lightning match between uh, Negro Casas, the great legend, and Soberano Jr., who I know is a big favorite with uh, CMLL fans. Uh, Not a guy who has impressed me overly like uh, he seems perfectly good but a lot of people talk about him as one of the best luchadors going right now and i haven't really seen that yet um what i do agree with uh, fans of lucha on is the greatness of negro casas even in his uh, advanced age i believe in his 50s now still doing a great job still leaping off the apron doing sentons doing all sorts of uh, fun stuff Really got the nice feeling in this that uh, Negro Costas was challenging this young guy to kind of step up, to kind of get to the next level. Um, and he does some cool stuff. He hits a, a top rope powerbomb on Casas here, which was uh, quite cool. Almost gets the victory off of that. But Casas, a little too wily, uh, traps Soberano in a pin and gets the victory for himself. Um, a pretty good match. Not really one of my favorites on the set. Again, I don't know. I just struggle a little with Soberano Jr. He's just uh, not a guy that clicks with me. Um, I kind of get why he does to others, but for me, I don't know. He's just uh, uh, he's just kind of one of the guys. I feel like there are other guys in the same area that uh, they do a lot better. That's just my, my personal taste, maybe. Uh, follow this up from May 18th. Uh, we have the finals of the Torneo Gran Alternativa, which is uh, veterans teaming with uh, younger guys, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, the match is Volador Jr., once again showing up, teaming with Flyer, who I really enjoyed the last time I saw him uh, earlier in the year. They are up against Ultimo Guerrero 
and Templario, who's another guy I'm definitely interested in seeing more of. Um, they do some really fun stuff in here. Uh, the Rudos both do a spot where they like big swing the guys into the uh, guardrail, which is always one of my favorites. Love spots like that. Um, Rudos win the first fall with Templario getting a pretty pretty cool submission, I thought, uh, that you, you may want to check out. Um, in the second fall, you have uh, Ultima Guerrero sending Flyer off the apron, hitting a real tough bump onto the floor. Uh, Templario really impressing me as well. Definitely a guy who's standing out in this match. Uh, the Technicos, of course, even it up in the second fall and uh, get a lot of good action rounding things out, particularly Ultima Guerrero countering uh, a handspring, like back elbow type attempt from Volador into a super cool uh, Blue Thunder Bomb, essentially. A really excellent spot. Huge fan of Ultimo Guerrero. Just, just a really, really awesome performer. One of, another one of my favorite guys out there. Uh, the ending was a little bit awkward. Didn't seem to completely come off right. But uh, the Technicos do get the win. Both of them getting pins uh, to round things off in a, a very, very good match. One that I would definitely recommend checking out. Um, after the match, Los Ingobernables run in. Uh, Rush and uh, El Terrible and all them come in to uh, attack the Technicos. But who should show up but uh, L.A. Park and his kid? They come in and run them off. And I think this is one of their earliest, if not maybe their first appearance. I am not skilled enough in the art of Lucha Libre. But uh, this is one is very fun. All these matches available for free on YouTube, by the way. So if you want to check any of these out, it's just a matter of hunting them down, uh, doing a little bit of work to get to them there. So very good stuff. Next up, we have uh, Dragon Lee taking on Caristico in another lightning match. This one from June 15th. Um, Dragon Lee, I'm a very big fan of. Uh, really love the guy. It's the first time I saw him a couple years ago. Caristico is, of course, former Sin Cara, uh, a guy who definitely looks a lot better in Mexico than he ever did in WWE, in case you didn't know. Still not one of my all-time favorites, uh, but he does a lot of good stuff. Um, this match was interesting because Dragon Lee really kind of jumped on Christico right at the bell and was really just pummeling the crap out of him early on, uh, ripping the mask really in the first uh, minute or so and just being very vicious about it. Um, Christico comes back very hard. There's a cool dive on uh, Dragon Lee that knocks him all the way into the first row, which is cool. He gets vicious as well, goes for the mask too. Um, Christico does get the victory here. A relatively short but very intense bout that uh, I had a lot of fun with. You know, for only being about eight or nine minutes long, this one was very fun. So uh, if you're interested, yeah, that's Dragon Lee taking on Caristico on the 15th of June. Uh, moving on from there, on July 13th, we have another tag match. It is Valiente and Volador Jr. taking on Rush and El Terrible for the uh, CMLL Tag Team Championships. Uh, it's a very star-studded match, uh, in my opinion. Just, like, it's full of my personal favorite stars. I love Valiente. I already said I love Volador. Rush, I think, uh, is really incredible. El Terrible is another favorite of mine. Um, Rudos pick up the first fall after a cool uh, big spin dropkick combo onto Valiente. Big fan of that. Uh, things get evened up, of course. Uh, and in the last fall, you have some miscommunication on the Technicos, uh, Valiente diving onto Volador at one point. It costs them. Uh, Rush is able to steal the pin on Volador after some cheating 
to get the victory and get the tag team championships for Los Ingobernables. Um, and I'm cool with that. Really, really loving uh, Rush and El, Ter- El Terrible as, uh, as a team. I think uh, there's a huge amount of talent between those two. I really dig the stable. Um, following up on that, we have what might be my favorite match of the set. Uh, it is from August 14th, and it is one of my all-time favorites of uh, Lucha today. Probably anytime, Hechicero taking on Stuka Jr. for the uh, NWA Historic Light Heavyweight Championship. Um, a lot of great stuff in here. Um, some uh, mat work early on. Hechicero really shines in that area. Uh, Stuka here, I thought, is the best that I have seen him in quite a while. I've really only seen him a few times, I guess I should say, but he impressed me a lot here, uh, more so maybe than he has in the past. Uh, Echicero gets the first ball with a nice submission, kind of a bow and arrow style thing. Stuka uh, does a nice pinning combo for the uh, equalizing fall. We get, uh, of course, as usual, the best action in the third fall. Uh, Stuka hits an awesome dive. Once again, shoves Hechicero all the way out into the front row. Always cool. Uh, also does a splash out onto the raised ramp. And uh, if you know anything about me, I love raised ramp spots. I thought this was a particularly cool one. Stuka also busts out the moonsault over the turnbuckle down to the floor, which is really, really cool. Stuka definitely felt like he came all guns blazing to this match. Uh, even had a really cool uh, mantis bomb here, followed by a top rope pencil splash for the win. Uh, very good. One of the best CMLL matches probably that I've seen all year. So really do recommend Hechicero taking on Stuka Jr. on uh, August 14th. Uh, we follow this up for a, uh, a very notable match from August 17th. Uh, it is uh, Negro Casas, Ultimo Guerrero, and none other than Kazuchika Okada, that's right, out of New Japan, taking on the team of Valiente, Diamante Azul, and Mystico. Uh, sort of weird to see Okada here. You don't see him necessarily in a setting like this very often these days, uh, but he does, of course, have some experience, and he's Okada. So, you know, even though uh, I don't think he's the best in the world, you can't deny that he's extremely good and uh, really puts himself on display in this match. Um, he gelled very well, I thought, with these guys. At one point with Ultimo Guerrero, did the kind of jump over um, Beverly Brothers' world's greatest tag team spot. Uh, and they used the raised ramp to do it, which, again, is always a win in my book. Uh, Okada gets the victory on uh, Mystico in the first fall. Um, and even uh, tears his mask up for some reason. I, I couldn't imagine what beef Okada would have with Mystico, but uh, I don't speak Spanish or Japanese, so it would be hard for me, I guess, to find out. Um, the uh, the favor is kind of turned around. Uh, once the falls are equalized, you have Mystico doing a stage dive down onto Okada, which is very cool. Love when they use the stage, the whole space in Arena Mexico. I think uh, is very, very fun to wrestle in uh, when they want to get up there and do some of that fun stuff. Uh, Negro Casas performing really well in this. And also, I thought Diamante Azul looking good. Uh, The impression that not all Lucha fans like him very much, but uh, I thought he did some cool stuff. At one point, did a uh, headlock spot that I really liked. Um, uh, Negro Casas kind of trying to uh, shove him off and run the ropes while trapped in a headlock, and instead... Yamate Azul being shoved, kind of like walking around the ring, but not releasing the headlock and kind of just dragging Negro Casas along, which I thought uh, was very fun. 
Uh, he also press slammed Negro Casas into Okada, and I am a huge mark for people being thrown into each other. I just always think it looks cool. So, uh, Okada does get the final victory here on Mystico, once again pitting him this time with the Rainmaker. Uh, after the match, in kind of a weird moment, Diamante Azul attacks Okada some more, but Okada doesn't really fight back and kind of just looks look like, like WTF, like what is going on here. So... A uh, bit strange there, not quite sure what the idea was, but uh, overall, a very good match, one that I do recommend checking out. Uh, let's see, two more matches on this part of the set. Uh, August 28th, we have uh, Titan taking on Mephisto for the Welterweight Championship of CMLL. Um, these two had a match that is definitely one of my favorites from CMLL this year, kind of one of my favorites overall this year, earlier. Um, so this is sort of a rematch from that. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff in it. Uh, it's not quite as good as the first one, but it really has a killer finish at the end. You have Mephisto doing a uh, kind of a guillotine hammerlock bomb, which I thought looked awesome. Uh, Mephisto I like a lot. Titan I, I really like a lot. Um, seems like he's kind of doomed to always be the challenger and uh, never really win the titles he challenges for, but... Uh, but still, having some great performances, so who knows what may happen for him down the line. Last and definitely not least, uh, from uh, October 12th, a little more recent, we have uh, Hechicero once again showing up. Again, one of my favorites, teaming with another one of my favorites, Barbaro Cavernario, and uh, also on the team, The Kriz, whatever that means, the former El Zorro. Uh, they are on one side, and they are taking on uh, kind of an all-star team as well of Mystico, Volador Jr., and other than L.A. Park, who really is one of my favorite guys to watch in 2018. Uh, he has some really awesome stuff in here. Edgesera at one point hits like a tornado, hammerlock, backbreaker, just super cool. Volador uh, flying around at just light speed, seems like sometimes. Uh, L.A. Park is great, so charismatic. Uh, he can do comedy, he can do intensity, he can do a dive, which is amazing for his like size and age. At one point, he gets unmasked in this match, but uh, the referee doesn't see it. He gets his mask back. The match continues on. Um, you also have a nice sequence with Cavernario beating up uh, kind of a little mascot, many of the team, the little... Uh, Teal monkey guy you may have seen in GIFs around. I, I do not know his name. I apologize. But uh, he does have a very fun spot in this match as well. The Technicos do get a victory here. Uh, Volador gets the win for some reason while wearing like a like a hat, like a hip-hop sort of, I don't know, I have no idea. Um, but still, this match, in my opinion, one of the best ones on the whole set. So that trios match from October 12th. Uh, featuring L.A. Park and Hechicero, definitely one that I would recommend checking out. Uh, that covers everything from the CMLL portion, and that just leaves one of my absolute favorite promotions to talk about, other than WXW. Got a lot of great stuff coming from over there that I'm going to go over real quick here, so strap in. Uh, first match I want to cover is kind of the new face uh, match of this part of the set. Uh, I was trying to look out for some people I haven't really seen before, and this is that match for this uh, this episode. On one side, you have uh, Jay Skillet and Francis Kassman, JFK, a team that I know well and like a tremendous amount, uh, taking on Cash Crash and Oliver Carter. I know I saw Oliver Carter in uh, Shortcut to the Top. I'm not sure about Cash Crash, 
But uh, as I said before, that match is not necessarily the way to get to know somebody. So, uh, so yeah, uh, interesting tag match here. Uh, a lot of fun stuff. JFK attacking really early at the bell. Uh, this is all the way back in January on an episode of Shotgun, so a lot has happened since then, but some very cool stuff. Uh, one slightly awkward thing, I thought it was very clear that the English commentator did not know which one was Cash Crash and did not know which one was Oliver Carter, and I met, I, I'm not entirely sure either. I believe uh, Oliver Carter is the one who had a uh, picture of Africa on his trunks, and if so, he was definitely my favorite. Uh, he did a lot of good stuff. I thought Cash Crash looked very good as well. Uh, JFK does get the win with a Spike Michinoku driver of sorts. Uh, and a very fun tag match. Uh, a rather quick one. Again, only eight or nine minutes or so, but uh, one that I liked a great deal. Um, well, it's up for another episode of Shotgun, airing on uh, April 25th, I believe. Um, it is uh, well before the match. We get a little video to set it up, which is, uh, again, one of the things I love about WXW. You have Killer Kelly... And Maris Alani backstage. Killer Kelly is really beside herself, talking a mile a minute. So uh, Alani puts her mouth guard in to sort of calm her down, slow her words, which I thought was funny. Um, they agree they're going to form a team to team against uh, Absolute Andy and Melanie Gray, their respective enemies. Um, those matches, there were a couple of them we watched earlier in the year, and we were really quite fun. So this is a bit of a setup for that. Uh, on the other side, we see Absolute Andy... Uh, talking with Melanie Gray, stealing her coffee, calling himself a god in a very, very funny moment, uh, listing his own accomplishments while coming up with nothing for Melanie, and thinking of team names that sound uh, great for himself and uh, downplay Melanie Gray as much as possible. Love Absolute Andy as a character. Love Melanie Gray as a character, in all honesty. Um, the match itself is Andy and Melanie Again, Killer Kelly and not Mary Selene, but Mark Davis stepping in kind of for this uh, preliminary match. Uh, one half of Aussie Open, I believe, if I am not mistaken. Um, very fun match here. Uh, at one point, you have Absolute Andy and Mark Davis in a chop exchange where uh, Absolute Andy is hurt and winded and uh, not winning. Um, it seems like he's going to keep trying, but of course goes for the eye poke instead. A very well built up moment, I thought. Again, love Absolute Andy, the character. We've also got Melanie Gray shrieking at the top of her lungs in your best Vicky Guerrero impression to uh, both call for Andy to help her and possibly just destroy the ears of her enemies as an offensive maneuver. So, again, enormous fan of Melanie Gray. Really, really love everything. She uh, does. Um, she's just a really special talent, I think. You have cool moments, like uh, Killer Kelly clocking Absolute Andy. Not the last time we would see that through this feud. Uh, always really cool. Gotta love Absolute Andy, a guy who's really on top of WXW in a lot of ways, but really not at all afraid to make himself uh, look like the fool when, when appropriate. Um, and he's uh, great enough that he can always come back and be intimidating again, really, with no problem. Partly because Killer Kelly, it's just very easy to believe that she can knock out anybody. Big fan of Killer Kelly as well. Um, Andy does pin Mark Davis in this match after a low blow from Melanie and an F5. So a very fun mixed tag match. Had a lot of uh, a lot of fun with this one. Uh, following this up, we jump forward to August. Still looking at episodes of Shotgun. This one an interesting one. A 2-on-1 handicap match. 
Melanie Gray once again showing up, teaming with Millie McKenzie, gets none other than Alpha Female, that incredibly intimidating woman, also known as Jazzy Gabert, if you might have uh, seen from the first May Young classic. Uh, before the match, we uh, have another nice little scene. We have Melanie making an alliance with Millie McKenzie, despite saying she has trouble making friends, which was funny, because uh, I think Melanie is quite well known for betraying people. That might be why it's hard for you to make those friends. Um, the match itself is really fun. Millie McKenzie is someone I'm a big fan of. Alpha female uh, might be one of the most visually striking people in the business. I really love her look, her vibe. Her wrestling is extremely good. Uh, I am very, very much enamored of uh, really everyone in this match. Um, a lot of good... Uh, it's a really well-worked handicap match, which you don't really see all the time. At one point, you have uh, Melody and Millie both, like, kicking Alpha Female uh, into the ground, and then Alpha, like, lunging up, grabbing both of them by the throat in a really cool visual. Um, the end of the match was very compelling, too, I thought. Melanie does indeed bail on Millie McKenzie, so she'll be left alone to be uh, massacred by Alpha Female, kind of kill two birds with one stone, kind of just pit them against each other and leave Millie out to dry. Uh, great character work from everyone, I think, with Melanie uh, laughing as she leaves. Alpha female uh, really just zoning in for the kill. And particularly for Millie McKenzie, uh, digging deep, um, kind of digging in, not giving up, not letting uh, her partner abandoning her um, destroy her will to win. Doing everything possible to kind of come back. But uh, alpha female is just, uh, just too much massacres her, takes her out, gets the win. So, deserving win, I think, for Alpha Female. Uh, after the match, we do go backstage. We see Millie McKenzie confront Melanie Gray. Millie doesn't want to talk at first. Millie uh, says that she'll run right through her, like everyone else has, to go to the top. Uh, Melanie is very sore about that. And she says, a cute face isn't everything, and she'll prove it when she beats her. So, we may... Have to keep an eye out for that Melanie Gray, Millie McKenzie match as we do more WXW sets as we finish out the year. Uh, jumping ahead, I'll do a couple matches from uh, September 1st, uh, Fan Appreciation Night in Oberhausen. Um, first one to cover, tag match, Bobby Guns and Lucky Kid taking on Marius Alani and Tarkin Aslan. Uh, as part of one of the uh, really cool feuds, I think, of the year. Lucky Kid and Tark and Aslan, they've done a lot with that, and I think it's been really engaging. Uh, case in point, they do a really nice video package before the match, um, tying the Aslan turn all the way back to the uh, War Games match earlier in the year when Lucky Kid accidentally hit him with a chair and um, injured him, either supposedly or for real and um, put him on the shelf and possibly out of wrestling. Of course, he did come back. Uh, a lot of references to how close they were, um, both in wrestling and in life. Uh, Aslan and Lucky Kid, that is, regarding each other as brothers, but uh, also showing that Aslan kind of turned away from Lucky Kid even well before we thought uh, he was in league with Marius Alani, even during the uh, shotgun title uh, number one contendership tournament where Marius Alani beat Lucky Kid, Aslan saying that Rise is soft, Marius is like Lucky Kid, only ten times more, uh, a true warrior, not soft, someone uh, who can really go all the way to the top, and he said he himself, Tarkin Aslan, came to WXW to hunt, not to be friendly, not to go the way that Rise is now going, so uh, a lot of really compelling stuff building up to this here. 
the match ends up being short, but uh, it's very fun. Um, very decent action for the short time that it goes on. And Lucky Kid really going buck wild, doing some great character work, really responding in the moment, which I really appreciate. Uh, doing an awesome split-legged moonsault out to the floor, which I thought was uh, really impressive. Uh, but only a few minutes into the match, Tarkanaz unclocks Lucky Kid with brass knuckles behind the referee's back. Lucky Kid goes down quickly, basically knocked out, and a very quick win for the heels here. Uh, Marisol Lenny and Tarkin Aslan flee, and Bobby Kunz cuts an incredibly fired-up promo, tearing down both Alani and Tarkin Aslan, um, even tearing into the referees and the crew members who come to try to stop him. He rallies Lucky Kid, and they rush off to find their enemies, but that story will be finished another day. Uh, second match we want to cover from this show David Starr taking on Jern Simmons in a last-man-standing match, a match that was supposed to happen about six months ago. Uh, Jern Simmons uh, did have an injury that put him on the shelf for quite a while. But as always, there's a fantastic video package showing how uh, Starr and Jern were friends and tag team partners. But uh, when David Starr tapped out in the uh, World Tag League last year, it cost Jern uh, his undefeated streak. And um, even though they, uh, they tried to remain friends, they had uh, more and more friction between them. They had kind of a friendly competitive match to try to resolve their issues. David Starr picked up the victory, and Yarn um, decided to turn around and beat the living daylights out of David Starr. Now that he is back from injury, the war resumes. The match itself. Oh, man, if you only check out one match from this whole set, I say check out David Starr versus Yaron Simmons' last man standing from September 1st because I think it may actually be my match of the year. So many incredible moments in this. Uh, so much going into it. Um, at the beginning, they both uh, end up with kendo swords, kendo sticks, the uh, signature weapon of Yaron Simmons. David Starr brings his own. They, they fight with those. They fight over the merchandise table. They smash each other with uh, mannequins. Um, they rip out the turnbuckle, hit each other with the uh, connecting bar. Um, one of my favorite moments, really, of the whole year, I think, when Jern Simmons knocks down David Starr, and uh, he does everything he can to try to get up. He's been uh, completely just decimated with the kendo, star, uh, kendo sword. Um, he's shaking like he can't even stand. He almost gets to his feet. He falls. But then he rolls out of the ring onto his feet and uh, saves the match for himself. I really thought, just just saying it, I don't think does justice to it. Just the feeling in the moment was really quite incredible, I thought. And uh, perhaps just as incredible, Yurinsimus follows him out, suplexes him straight out into a row of chairs, which looked unbelievable. David Starr, once again, seems like he can't get up. He's actually helped by a fan um, and who knows uh, if that was even planned or not, but I thought it, it was great. It really encapsulated Star's connection with the fans, which really is quite impressive. Um, back to the ring, Aaron Simmons rips up the floor, the mats, exposes the bare wood of, uh, of the, the floor, um, only for Aaron to end up being pile-driven on it by a recovered David Starr, which almost gives him the win. Yurin Simmons won't quite go down still. David Starr goes up top. Yurin uh, runs up, kind of choke slams him and falls himself down onto the bare wood. They both crash down horribly, and uh, neither one of them can make it up. It's uh, so damaging. 
that it ends up being a draw. And, and even so, just just a s- absolutely spectacular match, I think. Really one of my favorites of the whole year, without a question, and one that I hope that uh, you will consider checking out. It is David Starr versus Yaron Simmons, last man standing from September 1st. You can find it on uh, WXWnow.de. Uh, service well worth checking out. One of my favorite streaming services out there. Uh, a few more matches to talk about. First one, uh, another shotgun match. This one from September 26th. Kind of an all-star six-man tag of WXW talent. Uh, Walter, Ilya Dragunov, and Timothy Thatcher on one side. Absolute Andy and JFK, Jay Skillet, and Francis Caspin on the other. Uh, really awesome trios match here. Um, you have Andy uh, ducking Ilya kind of as much as possible. It was great at one point. He was like running in to in, to, to interfere when he wasn't the legal man. And uh, Ilya like stood up to him and screamed. And Andy just like fled in a great moment. Um, you have uh, Ilya uh, getting kind of uh, waylaid a little later on. Gets dragged out to the stage where he's uh, DDT'd. Um, does a great job selling it. Uh, ends up kind of being the face in peril for a while. At one point, seems like he's got a Hulk back up, and uh, Jay Skillet gave a spectacular reaction to that, just like of absolute fear. But Ilya couldn't quite muster it yet, so you get some more heels on top. Uh, Walter, of course, is absolutely beautiful. He's destruction itself, just uh, one of the best guys absolutely in the world. Um, Thatcher does really well. JFK does really well. Just everyone does really well in this match. Uh, Walter forces Jay Skillet in the end to tap out to uh, the Boston Crab, despite having some miscommunication with his teammates. They still come out on top in a very, very impressive six-man tag. Um, following up on that, we have a uh, David Starr versus Jern Simmons rematch, a no-holds-barred match uh, that is also hair versus hair, continuing along with their feud, putting an end to it, really. And I have to say, while not quite as good as The Last Man Standing, it is very nearly as much so. It is a match of the year contender in its own right in my book. Um, The fight starts out on the raised ramp, which I am always a big fan of. Uh, They do a spot, and my jaw dropped at this. Aaron Simmons slaps a waxing strip onto David Starr's chest and rips it off, and David Starr bleeds out of his chest the rest of this match. It's unbelievably violent. Um... And I'm fighting up into the balcony, fighting by the commentary uh, booth. And Yaron Simmons bullying the commentators, which comes back to bite him when one of the commentators throws a weapon to David Starr for him to attack Yaron Simmons, which I thought was a wonderful bit of continuity there, uh, just within the match itself. You have David Starr diving out of uh, like the second level of a stairwell down onto uh, Yaron Simmons and some uh, some ringside goons to catch his fall, but still, really cool match, really cool visual. Um, in addition to bleeding from his chest, David Starr ends up bleeding from his face, his head, and his back, which is really quite incredible. Uh, they use thumbtacks, they use guardrails, they use staple guns, really you name it. Um, they have nice callbacks here. At one point, Aaron Simmons trying to beg off, uh, leading into a low blow, which is the spot he's used before on David Starr. David Starr, knowing it was coming this time, blocking the low blow by just, like, baseball swinging uh, a kendo stick into Yarn Simmons' arm, which was a really excellent cinematic spot. Uh, David Starr does get the victory uh, and uh, feels very deserving, very great crowd reaction. Yarn 
wants to leave, but uh, Dirty Dragon and Emil Satoshi, who've had some involvement in this, bring him back to the ring. They they shave the top of Yaron Simmons' head, that very thick hair all being shaved off, and uh, it's sold very well, I think, by everyone involved. So uh, much love to this match, much love to this whole feud, really an incredible feud that uh, really paid off in these two matches in an incredible way. Uh, three matches left to discuss. First, we have uh, from uh, October 6th, the uh, Femme Fatale show, the all-women's uh, show that they put on during World Tag League weekend. Uh, this match, a real favorite of mine, Mako Satomura taking on Miller McKenzie, which uh, is amazing to be on paper and really, I think, delivered very well, despite being only about 10 minutes long. Um, Millie looked really great, fought really hard. Mako is basically a god of wrestling at this point. Absolutely top, top level. Um, and absolute Andy also doing English commentary and just praising Mako Satomura to the moon and back and uh, well-deserving, I think. Uh, Mako gets the tap-out victory here. Uh, they also mention, which is uh, very cool in my opinion, that Millie McKenzie is doing a cool uh, tour of Sendai Girls, which is something I really... Uh, I'm intrigued to check out, so we'll see if there's time before the end of the year to maybe take a look at that. Uh, also from World Tag League Weekend, uh, we have uh, Lucky Kid taking on Tarkan Aslan in uh, what seems to be the ultimate match of their feud. Um, really nice video package again, kind of going over some of the same stuff with a little more. How Lucky Kid is heartbroken, how one moment... Uh, back at War Games, really kind of changed everything for them. Kind of sent Tarkin Aslan down this path. Tarkin Aslan says, being brothers is just words. He carried Lucky Kid everywhere. Lucky Kid never thought he could raise a hand against him, but now Lucky Kid promises to retire him, this time for real. Uh, the match itself is relatively short, um, but very good, and I think just kind of what it needed to be for this feud, and maybe also for Tarkin Aslan not being the greatest in-ring talent. He seems to be a great character, but I haven't seen any great matches, and also I'm not sure if he actually is limited in any way uh, from injury. Um, but yeah, it uh, it worked out very well. Uh, a lot of stuff we're talking Aslan kind of knew Lucky Kid's stuff and was able to prepare for it and counter it, but also Lucky Kid just plain being better than Tarkin Aslan, and I think that came across very well. Um, Mario Salani tries to get involved and help out Tarkin Aslan, but Lucky Kid fights him off. And then the uh, remaining members of Rive, Pete Bouncer and Kiev, uh, Ivan Kiev that is, show up to take out Alani and stop Tarkin Aslan from cheating, which is what he was trying to do. Um, with uh, all of his plans kind of failed, Tarkin Aslan is left to face the music. Lucky Kid beats him up, makes him tap out with the crossface and a very satisfying finish. So uh, really good storyline. Um, and a very fun match to finish it off. Not a match of the year contender, but kind of just exactly what it needed to be. Uh, last but definitely not least, from uh, the Road to Broken Rules show from uh, October 27, we get a match we've discussed a little bit, now have officially watched to go over. Uh, it is Walter and Ilya Dragunov teaming up against Timothy Thatcher and Chris Brooks. Uh, and they lean the backstory out of this pretty well. Basically, Walter... Uh, St. Timothy Thatcher is kind of focusing too much on other things, on other teams, not enough on ring comp. Uh, so going off to team with the uh, Calamari Thatch Kings, which is the perhaps overly clever name that Thatcher and Brooks have for their team, and then uh, Walter and Ilya being on the other side. Um, this match is really predictably great. I mean, just from the names involved, I think it was set up really well. 
Chris Brooks is not a guy who necessarily thrills me, but I think he does well enough um, in this match. Um, Walter and Ilya is a really incredible team, I must say. And of course, they do kind of like a Moscow Torpedo Doomsday device, which I will call Doomsday Moscow. And it really just looked obliteratingly powerful. Um, yeah, everything between Walter and Thatcher has really just been amazing this year. I've been really, really engaged with everything they do, both together and against each other. So a lot of fun stuff there. Uh, Ilya Dragunov pins Chris Brooks here, which is definitely the right way for this match to end. But uh, I think this feud is far from over, considering everything we know about where Thatcher and Walter are going at the moment. Um, so, yeah, keep a strong eye out for that. Keep an eye out for WXW. A lot of great stuff going on. Good. All right. That is everything I do believe that we're going to cover on this show. So thanks, everyone, for listening. If you ever want to shout me out, I'm at SpectralGent on Twitter. You can also shout out our usual co-host, Jeff. You can always use your uh, good vibes. He is at BigDefEnergy. That's B-I-G-D-E-F Energy uh, on Twitter. Give us a shout. Give us a follow. Also, check out the other great programs on LOP Radio. Got a lot of great ones. Uh, Kingdom of Honor, uh, Perfect Ten Wrestling, Right Side of the Pond. Um, uh, I think I forgot one. Um, Sports Entertainment is Dead, I think is the new one. So, uh, yeah, do keep an eye out for those for a lot of great stuff. Also, LordsOfPain.net and LOPForums.com for a lot of great written material. Really do recommend LOPForums.com. Hope you'll check it out. Uh, that is everything. So thank you. We'll be back next week with more wrestling. Until then, we have been The Global Revolution. See you next time. <laughs>